I'm thinking it's hard to respond to somebody letting me know, pointing out to something about my, I may not have contact with myself or I may have lost myself. If I don't have a self, how do I, how do I even receive that? Well, again, it's presence of self. So you start, I think you need a really good therapist that specializes in trauma. I'm, I'm going to be quite honest. I think someone that does maybe gestalt work, but somatic work, EMDR, tapping, anything to get that person back in their body. Because if you can be in your body, you don't have to run from your body. It starts right here, deep in your heart. Tom Rutledge and Dr. Alan Berger bring over 90 years of clinical experience to this important podcast, and they offer you a guarantee. You will gain something of personal value from each episode. And now, what matters most? It starts right Welcome back to Start Right Here. I'm Tom Rutledge, and with me is uh, Dr. Alan Berger. Alan, how you doing? And I'm going to let Alan introduce our guest today. We have a we've, we've someone's been brave enough to come talk with us today. That's right, and, and let's hope she won't have to be too brave as this as this conversation <laughs> goes on, and that she can just be relaxed and share with us a lot of her insights and wisdom. Um, I'm doing better. You know, everybody's Good. asking how you recover from COVID. And right. right now, the major symptom I'm left with, I still haven't recovered all of my taste yet, but that is not stopping me from eating, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that was one of the effects. But um, the, the main thing I'm left with is fatigue. Um, I get these bouts of unbelievable fatigue. It's like my you know, I just, all my energy drops. I mean, I sit there, I, I, I must look catatonic in terms of the, the level of the low level of energy. I feel, you know, Jess says, are you okay? And I go, no, I'm just fatigued. I can hardly move off the couch. I mean, it gets to that point, but thank God those periods are, they may be at the most last two hours. And then all of a sudden I seem to come out of them. It's, it's weird. They've got this weird rhythm going on. So um, well, it could be worse. You could have little kids. Well, oh, wait. I, oh, wait, I do. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like, it's like, daddy, they decorate me now. They, <laughs> thought, I was a they thought I was the Christmas tree is what happened the other day. I was sitting so still. They just started hanging ornaments on my ears. I think, I think that's great. They should. I want a picture. Well, look, we're so excited that, that we've got a dear friend of mine and someone I've known and kind of, we, we, uh, known each other for a while, 15, 20 years now, I think, Sherry. It's been a long time. Um, Sherry Gab is with us today. She's the author of a book, a new book that's out. And this is your second book, I understand, Sherry, right? And it's called Love Smacked. And we're going to ask you about it here in a minute. But, you know, look, your, your career has been incredible. You're a licensed therapist. You have a very busy private practice. You know, you've worked with treatment centers. You've you know, you've done so many things. And then you were also a part of a celebrity rehab right back then. And you, I saw some of the sessions you did on that with some of the spouses of people. And you've just been doing a lot of great work in the field for a long time, Sherry. But what are you excited about now? Could we start with that? 
I'm excited to be here with you two guys because uh, I have known nice you for such a long time. Yeah, and we kind of went around the same circles and yes, we did. Um, I totally, I just respect your work and I'm so happy you have a podcast. I think this is so important and I'm so happy to be right here right now with you two. Well, that's wonderful. That's right just, back at you. Right uh, back at you. We're, yeah. we're excited. Now you're our first, our second guest, actually. We had he's uh, our first John. guest, really, because John doesn't count oh. because he's just our buddy, you know. That's he's true. he's our guest he, guest. He's, he's, yeah, it's like the, the first guest we have to be polite and, and you know pay attention to our manners <laughs> for. And, and don't expect Tom to be polite all the time, but he'll he'll try to clean it up. He's got that. Terry knows me. He's okay. She's he's a right. Texas boy at heart. I'm so honored. So you've been mostly just doing like therapy chatting on your podcast. We've been, it, it, it's been me and Alan. Alan and I love to talk, and people have been listening, and, and we're grateful. Is that? But but it's it's like this thing has been an, just an amazing therapeutic thing through the COVID thing for us. Is we we have come to depend on each other. It's so it's almost like we call each other up on Sundays just for a support call, and we put it on a podcast. And 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 we've also just really enjoyed. And I would love to have you be part of this conversation today, and maybe other times too. But just we also find ourselves just talking about you know as, as having been in this business for so long, just how we're still fascinated with this work, how much we love continuing to learn and new things and see things in different ways and, uh, and how much we just still enjoy doing what we do and, and how grateful we are that, you know, that we get to, we get to do this for a living. So it's like, I think there's a, I think there's just an excitement. And I know you have that too, because you're just, you're every contact I've ever had or everything I've ever read from you has been just full of that kind of enthusiasm. Well, it's the variety, you know, we, we aren't just therapists. We do so many other things right. such as this podcast or online summits or writing books or mm-hmm. Alan, I will both of you speak and do workshops, mm-hmm. which I haven't done as much of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, doing a television show, being a media mm-hmm. expert. I mean, we're so mm-hmm. blessed and, and like, you know, we're old and we're still doing this. <laughs> so this is yes. a good thing. <laughs> That's true. The old is there. <laughs> well, and that comes with the gratitude. I mean, the idea is we get, you know, I, I think there's just a certain amount of gratitude that you, there's a certain level of gratitude you get that comes with, with advancing age. It's, it's like, and just being able to stay in there and perspective. And it's like, it is, it is part of it. I love that. It's, it's fun that gratitude comes with humility too. Sure, for sure. If you're paying, if you're paying attention, people who—that's how you can kind of tell whether somebody's paying attention. If they've been at it a long time and they think they know everything, then mm, bit of a problem. Well, you know, when I think of the word gratitude, of course, I think of the program, and I think we are so blessed that we have programs in our lives. You know, because mm-hmm. that's what's getting us through this COVID. Even I mean, without mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. those tools, without those things, I mean, you can even be a therapist, but if you don't have those tools of living and being able to be grateful for just exactly where we are and um, accepting what is all of that stuff makes such a difference during this time. I think. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that Alan and I talked about early on was I, I shared what a client of mine had said to me really in probably in March or early April. And I, I was, I was sharing that just that I was doing the, the remote stuff and I was, you know, saying that I, I found myself feeling ty- more tired than usual, even though what I was doing was actually the same thing, just through, just, just through remote uh, ways oh, of doing right. it. And, and, but, but she said something that was just very obvious. And we, and we both just tuned into that immediately. She said, 
have you ever gone through something of this length of time in which you're counseling people in a crisis that you're in too? Yeah. You know, and it's immediately, it was just like, Oh, duh. No wonder it's because, because we're, we're processing it. We're working it. We're needing the sa exact same support. Everybody else is. Yeah, for sure. I also, I was just going to say, when you said zoom, well, I think you said remote, like we're all doing, I think that's also adding to being tired because we were, we're not in person and we're on computers all day and, mm -hmm. and we're not getting the hugs and the, the support, you know, we're just, we're not connecting in person. It's just not the same. So it is a little more stressful for sure. Yeah. No, you, you make such a good point because there's an energy transfer, isn't there? When you're yeah. with someone mm -hmm. and you're live with someone, there's, there's a, this virtual is great. There's a lot of great things to it, you know, because we can do this and not have to be in the same room with each other. But that energy transfer does not come across. And, and that's something I've missed a lot of. Yeah, for I sure. know I've, I've found ways to start to compensate for that, right, is trying to bring more of the energy from my end. And I'm finding ways that, of but that's a great point, Sherry. Yeah. That's a different thing, isn't it? It's that we don't get that 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 nurturing that we get. Well, I, what I notice what I'm doing is I'm just, I'm doing more presence with them to start the session, like some kind of grounding technique or something to just get us connected to each other energetically, even before we start the session, because, because they're not oh, in the room with us. So yeah, that really I helps. Love, I love that because what you're doing, you're, because first of all, you're you know doing what we all need to be doing all the time, which is acknowledging the reality of what, you know, accepting the things we cannot change basically and saying, okay, so let's, and, and change, you know, so let's work with that. I love that idea yeah. of just, of, of just owning it at the first and say, let's make this extra effort. Yes. To do it. Yeah. For presence, for presence, for awareness, for connection, mm -hmm. which is what we all want. But yeah. well, it's, it's interesting you say that because yesterday I have this training program in Gestalt therapy that meets once a month and yesterday the topic. So I, I give a little didactic presentation at the beginning, do a demonstration, and then we talk about what happens. So the topic yesterday was what happens at the point that we make contact with someone else? And because that that contact, right? And you were just talking about it now, and I loved how you described it. How we show up to that contact is going to determine how valuable that experience is going to be for us at that time. So I love what you're saying is that you and you even did it with us. I love what I said. Hey, what are you excited about? You said, I'm excited about being here right now. And that's <laughs> one of the that was so cool right. though, because it was you're you were so present and centered to it. You didn't go outside. You stayed right with us. And, and it really excited me when you said oh, that. I yeah. felt that. I mean, it was really cool. And that's, you know, what we talk about is that's one of the things about making contact is it's about being right here right now, like you said. And I love that, Sherry. That was great. And then, you know, what did we all learn when we went to school to become therapists? You know, start where the client is, you know, start mm -hmm. where they are. And th that's exactly what we're doing. We're just starting where we are. Yeah. I love that. Right. And, and the cool thing about that one, when you're talking about that with tuning, talk about that moment of joining them is when we're starting with the client is that's where we have to be really careful, not to, because we will, because we're human beings, we, we will, we will have assumptions about where that client is. And so we need that. We need to be sure, especially with those assumptions that we check those out. They may be right. You know, sometimes I, I tell people that assumptions can be true false kind of things. I, you know, I'm get, I, I, I kind of imagine you're doing this or thinking this, you know, and well, I, I would, funny you it, say that because, you know, I know our topic today is going to be codependency and 
that is what codependency is in a way, you know, we're, we're all of a sudden becoming so other focused that we're not in our presence. We're already, you know, we already have perceptions about what's going on. We're already mm. trying to control it and manipulate it and assume. And, you know, that's, that's kind of, I guess we're codependent therapists if we're not careful. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, that, I mean, because I mean, and that what well, we go let's go there let's talk about defining codependency because it's a word that's that has been so useful and so amazing through my whole my or a lot of my since it's been around since my in my career i just realized my career is much longer than that so so i, I i'm older than codependency um but um it, it it's it gets to be sort of almost cliche so people kind of toss it off and they don't, you know, I think, so how, give us an operational definition of codependency. No, there are so many. I'm just going to kind of tell you my thoughts about it. Okay. Um, okay. First of all, the one thing I want to say though, and I, you know, I, I was just starting to, to say this recently because I realized there's a lot of shame around the word. And so even before I start, I want people, mm. if they identify as being codependent, please don't hold, don't take on the shame of it. It doesn't mean there's, you know, that you woke up one day and wanted to be a codependent, just like, you know, you didn't want to wake up one day and be an addict. I mean, it's just part of your story. Um, it used to be defined as you were the partner of the addict, so to speak. That was sort of the definition, the beginning when Melody Beatty wrote Codependent No More. And it was all about, you know, you're enabling and you're trying to control, fix and manipulate your partner because of their, quote, disease. But it's really much broader now. Now it's more like a loss of self because you have become other focused and we'll probably get into some issues around trauma. But if you grow up with some kind of trauma where you were abused or neglected or abandoned, so of course you're, you feel invisible and then everything becomes about everything outside of you. So you're kind of lost yourself. So that to me is the best definition of codependency is being other focused, losing a sense of self, not even know, you know, and the, and the healing is finding your authentic self. That's one of the reasons why I struggle with labels sometimes, right. you know, people want me to throw out a diagnosis and I say, I, I don't really like to think in those terms. I like to think about what you're struggling with and what you need to do to turn things around in your life. That's, that's been the big negative about putting labels on things. And a, and a lot of people don't even know what it means. So the word, you know, that's why it's so, it's such a large word and it has so many meanings. Uh, Dr. Rob Weiss, I'm sure you know him. He's, mm -hmm. you know, in our, our world, he's now talking about something called pro propendence, which is really just, it's really taking the stigma out of the word codependency. He feels there is a lot of stigma around the word. Like there's something wrong with you that you love your partner enough to help them, you know, get sober. Like, well, what's wrong with that? You love your partner. Why are we labeling you're a codependent when you're actually trying to be loving and supportive? And of course, you know, then it gets to the point of well, where, when is the loving too much and when is it starting to hurt you? And that's where I share my story. I was married to an, uh, to an alcoholic that um, relapsed many, many times. And then I started to get really sick because just like addiction, my life became unmanageable because I was trying to control a situation I had no control over. And so I got kidney stones and staph infection and I started losing hair and UTIs and just all kinds of really awful things were happening to me mentally, physically, and spiritually, because I was obsessed with helping that person get sober. So that's when I think it gets a little dangerous. Like, no, I don't want to label codependency. There's nothing to be ashamed of loving somebody that you might be focused on in terms of helping them heal. But at the same time, you know, you, you don't want to lose yourself. 
I remember, I remember doing a group therapy thing back in the days when just we did groups all day long back in the, it's back in the 1900s. And it was, uh, we were doing the thing about codependency and we had a fellow in the group that, that, you know, was not, most people had read all these books and done all this stuff. And this guy hadn't, and he sat in the, he's, you know, that's back when we sat on the floor because, you know, because I, I, my, my joints didn't hurt yet. So I was still in the pillows on the floor and we were talking about the codependency and, and this guy, he, he said something that always stuck with me. He said, and it, you reminded me of it, Sherry. He said, I don't know what this codependency stuff is, but he says, if in order to recover from it, I have to become an asshole. He said, I don't want any part of it. And it it, it just, since then I've been, been making the point to people. It's like, by the way, if all of all the, all the things that ail you, that, that you may go way overboard loving somebody, you know, it's like, we can make, we can make adjustments, but it's like, that's not, that's, that does not need to be an insult. And, well, and I just, you know, I'm talking about a partner, but what about a parent that has a child that's struggling? Are you supposed to just right. stop loving your child? Are you supposed to just, you know, so it's really navigating between um, supporting them and not losing yourself. Right. It's really what it comes down to. But there's, there are issues around control and a lot of denial. Denial is a huge thing. You know, when you think of relationships and codependent relationships, loving who you think someone is rather than who they really are. That's, that's a huge part of it. Who you want them to be. Who you want them to be, exactly. And, yeah. and, that's a, and just like, see, to me, it really replicates addiction, right? Because addiction, you're in a denial about your disease. So the codependent is in denial about the person they're obsessing over. Right, absolutely. So it turned, yeah, it turned out tequila didn't really make me good looking and a good dancer. I was, <laughs> I was wrong about that, it turns out, well, as, as they tell me. Might have made you a better dancer. I, I <laughs> Great. And I can imagine you were a better dancer when you had. (laughs) I love that you guys um, use, you know, this platform to also like make fun of ourselves. I know. We got to laugh. We we don't know how not to do that. (laughs) I mean, really, you know, it's so, it's so fun. Look at, we bring humor in, and I'm, I'm sure you do too into our work Mm -hmm. because, you know, it's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's finding that rhythm about you know, getting intense and heavy with someone, but then also backing off and being able to assimilate it and enjoy the experience we're having. But, you know, I wanted to build on what you were saying, Sherry, because there's there's so much, it is such an important part of us to be of value to someone we care about. Mm-hmm. See, and it's a shame that that got labeled as wrong. So that's the part where I really agree with Rob, is that part, you're never gonna remove that from a parent with a child, right? You know, a relationship, you know, I love the way that Dr. Carl Whitaker described it as a fragile bond, right? If you and I are in a love relationship together, that's going to be depend on how we connect with each other, how we are with each other, how we deal with each other, how we deal with life together, all that. That's going to determine the, the stability of that bond. But with a child, it's all, there's not a fragile bond. That bond, if you've had somewhat of a, uh, you know, an attachment to that child, a, a healthy bonding to that child. I mean, you, you know, it doesn't matter what's going on. I say Jeffrey Dahmer's love, Dahmer's mother loved him, even though he was eating his neighbors. I mean, it's, it's that kind of a thing. That's still my boy. I mean, you know, that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> no, it's, it's, that's the truth of it, right? I mean, you know, 
that bond is 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 so that's my boy. <laughs> exactly. We're we're leaving that in, Patrick. <laughs> but but you know, it's a fragile bond in a relationship. It is a very different experience. But we we need to honor that that desire to be of value. It's an important part mm-hmm. of us. Right. Important part of me. I know it's an important part of you. That's part of what brought us into this work and that we do is we want to see what we can do to, to help people figure out what they're struggling with and take the next step in their life. So right on. Well, but, well what both of you are talking about too is just we need to honor and, and be remind our, ourselves and even each other that, that all of this is so subjective. It's like, because I think the place where we get into judging it, whether it be a therapist or, you know, trying to classify things and, and put things in pigeonholes and stuff, but sometimes with good intention, but, but, you know, and I don't think there's a better example of a parent loving a, a, a child who's troubled and having, having trouble dads. Like that's a very subjective thing for somebody to come in and just say, you know, to have that attitude of, well, you have to do this, 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 this. Oh, I remember when, I remember when the tough love movement came oh, yeah, in and, and that was all they were, you know, they right. were just there to tell everybody how to be tough loving. It's like, and, and I'm a fan of tough love and it, it's a, it's the heart of my recovery with myself, but it's like, it's very subjective. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why I, you know, the caveat of when have you lost yourself in all of this is so important because yeah. if you are losing yourself, then how can you even, take care of somebody else. If you've lost yourself, your sense of self, your mm-hmm. sense of who you are. And that's what happens. And that's when it, you know, when it becomes obsessive and um, that is part of it, you know, it can be very obsessive trying to help somebody else that you love. Yeah, that's uh, let me ask you this, Sherry. But, when, let when me just say one other thing. It also is seen a lot in relationships with narcissists. So I'm talking about the addict, but there yeah. is dance between codependents mm-hmm. and narcissists because the narcissist needs all this attention. The codependent needs to be needed. The codependent doesn't want to be abandoned, afraid, mm-hmm. completely in care of abandonment. Mm-hmm. The narcissist knows that. And so codependents are really, you know, prey to abusive relationships. I'll give an example. My mother, my father died. My mother got with a homeless guy, a, a con man, a sociopath, mm-hmm. a narcissist. She was a, a victim because of her own, not only grief, but she was a, you know, a codependent and wanted to be loved and needed attention and needed to be validated and needed to be told she was beautiful. And this guy came right in. So this is a huge topic that I've also been talking about is this, this relationship pattern where narcissists and codependents kind of find each other and, and they kind of use each other, but it can be really mm-hmm. like dangerous. Right. It's, it's, it is. Yeah, it is. It's, <laughs> I told somebody one time, I said, the reason I believe in God is because somebody's messing with us. This cannot be, this cannot be a complete accident that we, that we find ourselves in these, you know, these relationships that are, that are actually in the, in the broader strokes are, are fairly understandable and predictable in terms of how they fit together. Like you're saying, it's, well, like, it's, and it's that dance thing. That, yeah. Codependence and narcissists, they both have abandonment issues. They're really the same, just two sides of the coin on how they, how it manifests. How they've responded to it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, like, cool. you know, yeah. my mother had a horrible childhood. She was neglected. So she, when my father died, it was as if she was that child again, she just was lost. And then this man, you know, had his own abandonment issues, didn't have a father. His mother had been married many times. He was from Russia. He was Jewish. And dealt with a lot of anti-Semitism. And so he had so many issues and they just found each other and it just fit, but it was mm-hmm. fatal because eventually, you know, I won't even go into it, but we had to go to court for a couple of years to get a restraining order on him because, you know, he was a, he was a predator. He was trying to get my mother's 
trying to take over my mother's physical, spiritual, mental, financial life. And, wow. and so this is how serious codependency can be, really. Yes, that's a great, really good point, too, because that's another thing that can happen because the word is so common that we can we can kind of toss it off as something that's not not that serious. We go like, no, 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 this is this is like addiction when we say, no, no, this is potentially fatal. Well, remember when we were learning in school about domestic violence and they'd say, well, you know, the, the stereotype was, well, how could she stay with him? How could she stay with him? And it's like, well, that let's look at who she is and let's look at the relationship she's in and the abuse and knocking down her self-esteem. And maybe she never had self-esteem, obviously, in the first place, or maybe she did. And then it just got ripped from her, you know, so it's about not judging, you know, like just, mm -hmm. and that's why I talk about early trauma with this subject, because if we understand our early trauma, we'll under, we'll be more aware of how we can be vulnerable to these toxic relationships. Say more about that. Say more about the, about the, oh. the what you do with the trauma stuff. So when you don't receive what you need as a child, you know, we know this all as therapists, if you're abused or you have emotionally unavailable parents or you become a little adult, like a little parentified child, this sets you up for really a difficult adult relationships. Um, victims of trauma have a false reality to themselves. They don't even know who their true self is. They don't trust their emotions because they can't even access what their true feelings are because nobody validated them. Nobody noticed them, acknowledged them. They didn't count. And then like I talked about earlier in the interview, our interview, you become other focused. So that's gonna set you up for being a quote codependent, someone who's gonna focus outside of yourself instead of within. So you, you know, a codependent focuses on everyone around them they are the giver. They, they're not necessarily not the taker. They're always giving um, to, you know, they lose themselves and this other person. And it's very difficult for them to have a real intimate relationship. Both of them, you know, the codependent and the person that are in the relationship both have intimacy issues. Mm -hmm. You know, like we, we often hear, well, oh, he was not available. He, he doesn't know how to be intimate or she, you know, didn't know how to be intimate. Well, you picked that person. So two of you you know, are sort of lost from yourself, from a connection. You know what it is? It starts as we started our interview today, a connection with self. And the, I mean, I know I'm kind of going all over the place here, so I hope you're tracking me, but does that kind of make sense? No, I'm, here's what I'm tracking. No, I think you're doing great. And it's like, like the, and, and by the way, if you're very linear, I can't follow you. <laughs> I just, my, my, I have a pinball brain. So it, it's like, I, I, I don't know. It's like, I, I would just, I would doze off if you were just linear. It's like, I go like, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't keep up with this. But uh, no, one of the places I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated with is you, you, you talk about the loss of self and not having contact with yourself. So I, I keep coming back as you're talking to being curious about, you know, I don't know how exactly you present that to a client, for instance, or how you might present it might in, in the book. Maybe, maybe it's in the love smack. I mean, it's, it's like, how do people respond? Because I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking it's hard to respond to somebody letting me know, pointing out to something about my, I may not have contact with myself or I may have lost myself. If I don't have a self, how do I, how do I even receive that? Well, again, it's presence of self. So you start, I think you need a really good therapist that specializes in trauma. I'm, I'm going to be quite honest. I think someone that does maybe gestalt work, but somatic work, EMDR, tapping, anything to get that person back in their body. Because if you can be in your body, you don't have to run from your body. And, my, and most therapists 
do, I don't think we are in this category, certainly not I, but do a lot of talk therapy, but nobody's helping people actually get in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's where it starts. And that, and once you connect with yourself, you can connect with someone else. You can meet someone who is connected to themselves. So what's your, what's your experience when you, when you, I mean, this is a broad statement, but so so maybe this just comes from an example, an example, but when, when you are successful at at helping a a client see experience that loss of self, it's like, what, what kind of response do you see from the client at that moment? That, I mean, that's a very pivotal moment in their process. It's the waking up. It's becoming yes. conscious. It's like, I mean, that's, I have a program called Wake Up Recovery. And that's why I called it that because it is, it's about waking up. Perfect. You know, when I um, left my addict alcoholic, I was just disassociated. And so once I removed myself from that situation, because it became so toxic for me, I was like awake, like, oh my God, I have been like, I've been like tunnel vision for so long and now I'm like alive. So it's, it's remarkable. It's, it's incredible. It's like all of a sudden you hear birds chirp, you know, you're, <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful thing. So, yeah, I think that's where it begins. And once you do that, I mean, really the only way out is through consciousness, awareness mm-hmm. and diving deep into these early trauma vortexes and then and doing it in a way with somebody that can help you embody yourself. Well, Alan, I don't know anybody when she's describing that. I don't know anybody who ever witnessed work does what she's describing better than you in terms of just joining with somebody and just tracking with them. Just go, you know, the idea of going with the client as not leading the client, but going with the client. Yeah, that's a great description. Is that gestalt therapy? I mean, I don't. You're describing it. Well, you know, it's very interesting. Gestalt therapy. I mean, Fritz Perls was had a very unique experience. He and his wife, Laura, is they were part of that early psychoanalytic group. And in that psychoanalytic group, you had Wilhelm Reich, which was the father of all these body therapies, right? He Reichian therapy was the beginning of bioenergetics in the United States. I mean, in all the variations off of bioenergetics, either Peter, even Peter Levine's work, his somatic processing is, is connected to Lowen's work. You can see, I can see the all kinds of connections when I see Peter Levine work in terms of what we're doing. And so the body, you're right. I mean, in like in cognitive behavioral therapy, you'll, you won't see it integrated in the same way you might see it integrated with like a gestalt therapist or a a body oriented therapist. I mean, we don't have many pure body oriented therapists around anymore, do we? I mean, that was the thing of the past in the seventies, they were all over the place. You could go down on Santa Monica Boulevard and you walk into an office and it was padded all the way around because people were laying on the floor doing the pounding. And I mean, it's <laughs> remember the Bataka bats too? Yeah. Exactly. Bats that we had on the tennis rackets on the pillow. I mean, mm-hmm. all of that stuff of engaging people at that level that you were talking about of their experience is so important because that's look, like you said, if you don't have a self, one way to introduce yourself is to start paying attention to your somatic experiences. Right. That's why I love Peter Levine's work. And that's what I use with clients. And, you know, it's it's not quite where you're, you know, banging on a pillow and oh, doing no, that. Do that. It's, no, no. It, it's, more, it's more slow. And a lot of people don't want get so uncomfortable doing it because it is so slow. Like it's like asking someone to just be 
that's like the hardest thing you can ask someone. So a lot of people don't stick with it, but if you stick with it, and I know this personally and professionally, it's a life changer. It really is. Oh, it's the subtleties of that stuff too. The, yeah. The, I mean, the, the, I mean, and I'm not saying there wasn't great value because there was, I was in that, all that stuff where we, the, the big dramatic experiential therapy back in the seventies and eighties and you know, nineties, it's like screaming and hollering, snot flying everywhere. And, and, you know, and, and when that, when the situation calls for that, we can do that. But the, yeah, the idea of having challenging somebody to be patient with that stuff from the inside out, it's like, but you know, it, I was thinking about this uh, and I can't remember the exact thing, but it's something you said to, to somebody on one of our, one of your Thursday night things. Uh, sometimes it can be as subtle and as simple as just asking a question about where somebody feels something in their body. Yeah. I mean, oh, it's, sure. it's, it's like, it's not even necessarily some big technique or whatever. It's like, it's just, you, you look at them and you can see that they're feeling it. Where do you, where do you feel it? You know? And they go like, Oh, it's right in my chest or right, right in my solar plexus. And it's like, and you'll see, big, there's an, there's a, it's like, I, I, I was a magician for years. I used to do that. And it's like, like, it's like when I, when you do that and that lands, it's like watching somebody see a magic trick. They go like, how'd you do that? Yeah, you know, and it's like, of course, we didn't. I didn't do that. I just asked you the question. Now, and now, imagine with today's world of you know the everything's so fast, the internet and texting and and everything's electronic. And try to ask those young people to slow down like that. It's almost it's just unbearable for them. Mm -hmm. Like even like my, my daughter with the COVID, she's thirty six, but she's I'm not. I can't sit around. I, I have things to do. I, you know, I'm a high powered publicist. I can't just sit in bed. What are you talking about? Like that's a lot of, that's what we're, you know, they want instant gratification. They want something now and doing this work is not instant gratification. It is not. Well, so from from being an addict, I know about an instant gratification, oh, yes. please. Now, 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 now. Yeah. Well, I, I want some instant gratifications. Tell us about love smacked. Yes. Oh, I, so Love Smacked, I came out in February. Uh, well, actually, it came out. It's, it's, it's a reprint of a book called The Marriage Junkie, but I changed the title and I added another chapter on dating. And it, it's really, and they can find it on Amazon. It's about um, relationship addiction, being addicted to being in love, you know, feeling it's very similar to codependency. It's having this complete emptiness if you're not attached to someone. Um, it, that's my addiction, codependency, love addiction. That would be mine um, in recovery. And it's just the fear of abandonment, a fear of being alone, having anxious attachment issues, um, always having to be in a relationship, just feeling like you're in the ethers of nothing if you're not in a relationship. So I go through that. I go through that love addiction, what it is. And I have all kinds of amazing exercises and journaling and meditations and affirmations. It's almost like a workbook and a book all in one. And um, what I've heard mostly from people is it's just really easy to read, easy to understand. And it's for anybody. It's not, it's not heavy with lots of psychobabble. It's just like, this is what it is. This is how you work on it. I, I love marriage junkie. So it's like, if, if it's that and more, that's, I mean, that's, I'll, boy, I just want to recommend it to everybody. Cause it's, it's, that's beautiful. Um, thank you. Yeah. yeah it's the same book except I added the last chapter on dating mm -hmm. codependence or dating and relationship. Mm -hmm. the title is great. Yeah. I mean, love smacked. I mean, I love it. Oh, and I looked at the, the covers are great. The cover is beautiful. I love the cover. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. 
I am. And so now I've taken a lot of those, those tools and I've put it into my membership, wake up recovery for codependency and toxic relationships. And I know in your show notes, you'll leave a link. And I also offer a free quiz. I mean, you, you just type my name and Google me and I'm everywhere, but I, I love to, to be of service. So take the quiz, the codependency quiz, it'll be in your show notes and uh, check out my book and check out my membership. And actually the membership, it has a weak dollar trial. So it's a dollar to join. <laughs> and you know, you guys know how hard it is to put these kind of things together. So it's, <laughs> it's like I'm giving it away, but <laughs> you know what I want, I want people, I want to offer it to people so they can check it out first before they invest. And then it's $27 a month. And um, I go live twice a month. I do group coaching twice a month. And then it's just a treasure trove of all kinds of um, interviews that I've done throughout the years. And it's got um, a 10 week course called wake up recovery. That's what we're talking about here. So it's, it's amazing. And I love it. Well, I think you're amazing and you're so generous. It's like, that's one of the things I've, I've just learned about you and felt about you when I first had any interaction with you is and because you, you certainly were that way with me in terms of supporting some of the work I was doing at the time and helping helping people get let people know about the stuff you're you you and I and, and I'm and I'm happy to put myself in a, the same a, a similar category that Alan and I talk about a lot of times is we really like the idea that whether somebody we you know I always say I want you to buy my books I want you to give me money sure give me money but even if you don't I want you to come away if you're looking at my stuff if you're going to my website so if you're going to that, so I want you to come away with something that's a value. It's like, I'm not just here to, to just, just talk this stuff. I'm, you know, I'm here because this is the coolest thing in the world to get to do this for a living and be useful and helpful to people. Yeah, we, we are so blessed. And I, and I think what you're talking about just with each other is collaboration, really supporting each yes. other's dreams, right. you know, and as we help support our clients' dreams. Right. Um, and th- th- this isn't competition. This is just, you know, working together. We all have something to offer. There's room for <laughs> all of us, every single one of us to bring and to serve. Oh, I remember when I first had my first job in, in alcohol and drug counseling. It was actually long before I ever got sober, but I was going to help those drunks. Uh-huh. And, 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 uh, uh, but I, I remember the people I was working with were wonderful. These, these were old, old time, old time, you know, AA guys that were running these programs and, and, and they would, we would meet with all the other agencies, you know, on a regular basis. And it's like no competition at all. And the, 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 you'd hear from them all the time was there's plenty of drunks to go around. Yeah, you know, it's like, and there's plenty of all of this to go around. There's this, and they, and people just if when you find they, we just need to find the, we, you know, the information is one thing, but finding the person or the persons that work best for you, you know, everybody's not going to, you know, connect with Tom Rutledge, but but you know, but they might with with Sherry Gaba. It's finding like, the tribe, you know, what yeah. you, know, you need that support. I mean, the thing that works with the twelve steps is the tribe. So so if yeah. it isn't that tribe, find another tribe. That's one another reason why I created what I created. I. I want people to know there is a tribe for people struggling with codependency and uh, toxic relationships. There is a place to go. And of course, there's also 12 step programs around the subject as well. So just try, you know, try different things, see what works, see what fits. Well, let, let people know about what Alan's doing with this Thursday night group, this emotional sobriety group. He's doing, he, he started this because of the, the COVID stuff. And now we're, he's, uh, Alan, you tell her what you're doing. That's, yeah, that, please. That's a, it's, well, so this on, is so important. Yeah. So when, when COVID hit, two things happened. I said to myself, 
God, this is a time to be of service, just like you're talking about, Sherry. And what can I do now to try to to pass on some of what I've learned to help people cope with what's going on? Tom and I started a whole video series, <laughs> Surviving COVID. It was essentially what it was. And we filmed these 12 things together. And we just threw it out there for people to come to. And, and that spun off into this, into Start Right Here. But then the other thing I did... Um, um, simultaneously, concurrently, was to start a Thursday night meeting that I called Emotional Sobriety Anonymous. Oh, I love it. So from 7 to 8 p.m. every Thursday night, we get together. Last week, we had 158 people at the meeting. Oh, my God. And this is on Zoom? It's on Zoom. It's free. There's no dues or fees. We say the only requirement for membership is that you want to be there. That's it. Is it is so emotional sobriety? So do you have to be a sober person? No, it's we're talking about just how to deal with your feelings, really. Mm. How do you cope with emotions? Right now, what we're doing is um, so we're about nine months into it. Um, we're taking a walk through the steps and relating them to emotional sobriety. And think of just emotional sobriety. The way I like to think about it is emotional autonomy. Right. It's, it's everything you're talking about in terms of how to take care of yourself, how to be in a relationship, not lose yourself, how to keep a hold of yourself. It's, it's so similar to it. That's why, Tom, when we were looking at your questions about, hey, these are yeah. some of the things we could talk about. Well, God, that's emotional sobriety. That's what we've been talking about every Thursday night. So there's such a nice overlap between all of this stuff and it's just another way to look at the same same dynamic right what happens in relationship to somebody when it's not working out well send me information and i'll yeah. let my tribe know about it and oh, yeah and you know and and you know join us and down the road after we finish this you know we have different speakers come in and they share a bit of their story or share something they want to share about uh how to take would be great. That would be wonderful to have. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, yeah. you guys. How wonderful. Mm -hmm. So it's really been exciting. You know, Tom's a part mm -hmm. of it. So so mm -hmm. now we're alternating. We're going through the steps. Mm -hmm. We're on step two. So Mary Gordon from the Betty Ford Center, uh, she ran the family program for many, many years. Oh, that's so the she, best program ever. Oh, isn't it? They do, do such a good job in that family program. But so uh, Tom and Mary are alternating with me. And so Mary did step one. Tom and I are doing step two. Mary and I did step one. And, and Mary will be back for step three. And then Tom will be on step four. And we're going that way through the steps. We're taking about two weeks on each step, right? We're going, yeah. we're going to do another week on step two. By the way, what you did on step two this last time, mm -hmm. your 10 minutes sharing, bringing Father yeah. back into the discussion. Yeah. It was so, it was wonderful, Tom. Oh, good. It was such, I mean. I appreciate that because I really came away. Every time I speak in that group, I don't know what if I did good or not because I, I, I don't I don't know how to speak to blank space. So, you know, when I don't have an audience, you know, it's, it's like it's hard to tell. So I appreciate that. And I'm glad. And God, I was so happy I went back to Father Martin. I just watched this 15-minute Father Martin tape and it's like, I go, oh, my God, we got to stay with this guy. You know what I'm thinking as you're talking and I'm, usually pretty intuitive is this mm -hmm. this would be a great entryway for people that aren't willing to do a 12-step program maybe for an addiction but they're willing to do it for emotional sobriety and then they realize mm -hmm. oh my god this program is awesome yes yeah, that's right. you know i mean that's just my 
thinking. No, right? I think I think that I think that's it's right. It's a stigma we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many people I work with that that putting that label on themselves, I'm an addict or an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they eventually saw a lot of people can get to that point once their experience takes them to rock bottom, and they say, "Well, I guess this is that's better than me just being a bad person. I'm an alcoholic, right?" Yeah. Kind of a thing. But it's tough. You're right. I mean, that it's a it's a big pill to swallow. Well, you got to get to that decision. You and I talk about that recovery decision, Alan. That that's a, and that's and I think what Sherry you're saying is really right. It's like the the it, I always just go back to my first sponsor in AA that, that that pointed out to me that you know he said there's 12 steps of recovery. He says this is his exact sentence. One of them mentions alcohol. Exactly. You know, he said he said the rest of them are and this is what he said. He said the rest of them are about how to be a better person. Yeah. And I thought. And I just, that's, that has stuck with me ever since. Yeah, it would be, it would be interesting to see, you know, how many people you do end up not converting, but at least exposing them to this and then, and then <laughs> seeing. I want to convert them now. Yeah. Let's convert them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking over. Yeah. No, I get it. Yeah. It's no, I think because, because you know, you take people. You don't, yeah. You, my wife, my wife's an equine therapist, and then I heard her say one time to a client that she just said this in the simple sentence. She just said, "I'll work with you, but not on you." Uh, you know, and it's and it's like I just always remember that because sometimes it, we, even with our excitement, I can get so fired up about stuff like that. I think I get to a place where my energy is so much that I got to pull back because I'm working on that person, and yeah. I need to pull back and let you know, no, no, this is let, let them in and let you find your way. Yeah. And again, that's a whole, that's a, that's a codependent um, tenant really is to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, get out of your own way, you know, not get out of your way, get, stop getting at mm-hmm. someone else's path Stay mm-hmm. on your own, you and know. get out of your own way. <laughs> that one works too. Yeah. yeah. This was great guys. Is there anything oh, else you want to well, ask? You know, I just, what I want to acknowledge Sherry that I've always loved about you is how open and real and authentic you mm-hmm. are about your own journey. Mm-hmm. And that to me is, it's so, first of all, so inspiring, but also so um, encouraging in terms of that you, you are someone who walks like you talk. I mean, uh, you guys are going to make me cry because I mean, I remember speaking mm-hmm. on a panel with you. I really am. I'm getting choked mm-hmm. up right mm-hmm. now. And both of you are so highly respected. And then when I think, oh, like I'm on the same podcast with these two guys like how did that happen mm-hmm. and it's it's almost like i'm having an out-of-body experience mm-hmm. because i don't always accept i mean i don't know if it's a self-esteem thing i don't think that's what it is i just think sometimes we don't realize what we're doing what the difference we're making in the world and so when no I- no i think it's the humility and the gratitude back again it's like because i can feel i can feel the exact see i mean that's I think that's fine. I think that's because I feel the same way about you. It's, it's like, I mean, it's like, it's just where, where it's from where we're sitting. I mean, I can do the same thing. I can sit there and go like, I get to, you know, I get, I, I get to sit here and talk with Sherry Gabba and, and, and it's like, and there's, you know, I don't know you that well, but I'm, I'm going like, I, I talk, I just jump in with both feet and talk to you like we're best friends and, and I'm honest and you're honest back. And, and, uh, and what Alan's saying is absolutely right. What you do with being that way for, I mean, it's a wonderful way to be in life, but what you do for your clients and all of your readers is that makes you safe. Yeah. 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 That's true. And really, we're, you know, I don't want someone, I don't want to be up here and someone is down here. I want to co-create with someone. And, and as we were talking about um, 
presence. That is what co-creating is. And we don't make ourselves better or bigger or whatever. We're just, we're with you. We're together. Right. So. That's what, and that's what this has felt like today to me. Uh, yeah. You know, I think, I think that this is what I'm, I'm imagining for you, Sherry, but I, and I, and it reminds me of an experience I had with my mentor, Dr. Kempor. See, I think you felt seen is that somebody was seeing who you are and what's really important to you and what your true essence is. And I've seen that in you for a long time, just mm -hmm. the, the commitment you have to not only being a professional, but being who you are and being committed to, to being real and to bringing, integrating your experience into your work, right? Yeah. Being willing to share. I've been in a relationship with someone. I know what it's like to struggle when someone you love is relapsing all the time and you're in this zone of what am I going to do and feeling so threatened by this yeah. disease, you know, that's now invaded the house and stuff like that. I mean, I, I, I love how you bring that in your work. But I remember one time, Walter, the guy that I trained with, was pretty crusty, right? And kind of a real, he could really get in your face. And he was kind of one of those very, very confrontational therapists, but did it with a lot of support at the same time. But I remember someone turning to him in a workshop, and it was a real tough session he just had with someone. And the guy looked at him and said, I see how much you care for people. Mm. And he said it to Walter like that. Walt broke down and started crying. Mm -hmm. He forgot to see that in himself. That's right. See, it, he's so usually defending what he's doing and how caring that is, is that this guy just saw it and cut through all of that stuff. And it just, it just, you know, Walt melted down into a puddle of tears for a minute. And he says, you know, it's, I, it feels so good to be seen. Yeah. For somebody to see isn't me. And that, what that, I, isn't, isn't that really the therapeutic relationship? That it's, that's the essence of it, isn't it? That we get to witness each other, mm -hmm. see each other in a very special way. In a yeah. very special that's, be that's beautiful. It's like, before I turn this over to, for you to close us out here today, Alan, I want, I want, I've decided to add, add a, a, a question at the end of our things. And that is, hey, Patrick, did you have fun? So you were a magician? <laughs> yeah, I'll show you a magic <laughs> trick sometime. Uh, uh, yeah, but otherwise, uh, great session or great episode. And uh, session. <laughs> it's like a session. It's like a session. <laughs> yeah. Another another good session for me. That's, a good, that, that's, that's what it feels like, man. It's like, that's good. <laughs> it's all just a hustle to get some therapy. Yeah. Now, Tom and I are going to have to disclose this. The only reason we did this was to help you, Patrick. These have been sessions for you to try to add to your growth. In the, look at Tom, see? <laughs> this is like the Truman Show of uh, therapy. That's right. That's <laughs> that's right. It. It's yeah. all about you, buddy. It's like, <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good night. It's like, but you know, so. thank you so much, Sherry, for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. And um, I just love the chemistry you guys all have. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, we couldn't do it without Patrick, that's for sure. Yeah, so Patrick. I'd love to. Everybody needs a Patrick. How do we get a Patrick? I know. I, I Alan already him. had a Patrick. I, I, I didn't him. have one. Yeah. I feel like I found me a little diamond. And, right. Well, and I've it, got no people. So it's like, it's beautiful to know Patrick. It is. Patrick's been, you've been, you have been. We, maybe Tom and I don't say it on the air enough. I know I try to communicate mm -hmm. it to you, but you are incredibly valuable to what we do patrick thank very you very professional this whole thing the whole 
you know, contacted me, setting it up, the whole thing. Very professional. Excellent. I think this is going to be a, if it isn't already, and I know you're on your way, it's going to be a great success. Yeah, good. Thank well, you. thank you, Sherry. We want, we want you back. We'll get you back in here if you will come. When I start my podcast, you will be on my podcast. Ah, yay. Wait. We'll do it. Wait. All right. So I'll take us out of here. So Sherry, right. how do they learn more about your work? What can people do? They can, they can obviously Google you. Find my book, Love Smacked, um, on Amazon and Wake Up Recovery for Codependent and Toxic Relationships without reading out the link. Just look at the show notes for this show. Uh, the show notes are on the app, right? Or where can they find the show notes? Right on the little graphic of the show? Where is mm -hmm, I think so. Put it in the show description or the episode description. Okay, yeah. So mm -hmm. there's that. And then get your free quiz. Uh, and get your free ebook, The Truth About Codependency. So those three links will be in the show description and that's where they'll find me. Great, great, great. Tom, how did it look? I'm, I'm, I'm still at tomrutledge.com. They haven't kicked me out of that. I'm there. There's my books. There's some free things you can come and download. Uh, you can also check out my thing called Therapy for Politics that's there. And uh, um, in, the, in the name of hoping to heal our uh, bigger, some of our bigger problems with our nation. And uh, yeah, I'll be there. I had to smile when you said that haven't kicked me out yet. About mm -hmm. four years ago, when I was at the Evolution of Psychotherapy Conference, Albert Ellis was there. And he had just been kicked out of the Albert Ellis Institute. <laughs> <laughs> it's only it's only right get kicked out of your own institute i mean you do, here's how you do it be albert ellis it's like <laughs> what happened to that conference i mean not that we're doing it's still happening it's virtual this year which is it's starting actually this next week oh are you still part part of that like is that your still your thing no, you're thinking about the evolution of addiction treatment conference that that yeah. i started with andrew martin oh. that's going to be happening tom's and i are going to be doing mm -hmm. a workshop there virtually mm -hmm. that's still happening um c4 recovery took it over mm -hmm. okay i got um, it raw and in that whole group as okay. as they're continuing and they're going to make it a yearly <laughs> event Right. And we have, we have to say, Alan, that when the C4 took it over, we did it did it did did occur to us that it seemed like maybe you were getting kicked out that that, that we were getting fired after, <laughs> after you, you had handed over your 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 little baby that you had brought, raised to that point. We go like, uh, we're over here. Is <laughs> I mean, Alan, I remember I don't know how many years ago you sitting in my backyard and we were talking about the conference. You had you had by the conference. We were talking about. Remember, I had that media packet I was sharing with you that I went and did some media training with someone and we were talking, you were just starting to say, I want to do this stuff. I want to get into this. And, and you've become a master at it. I look back mm -hmm. and I sit there and I say, my God, I'm learning from you now. Oh, she's yeah. good. I, I haven't mastered the speaking in person. I think I've mastered being, you know, a summit host, a radio interviewer. Yeah, fantastic job, all that. But look at even this interview today, you were, you were. I, I love how real you were in this thing. And you shared some things that I think can be quite helpful to people today. Right. Well, I so if you want to find out about my work, just go to my website. It's www.abphd.com. Alpha, bravo, Paul Henry David. Whenever I say that, I feel like I'm calling in artillery coordinates. For no, I, I feel like I should duck. Alpha, bravo, <laughs> Paul Henry David. Fire for effect. That's my Vietnam days. I, I'm still got some experience. <laughs> Mm. Um, so you can check us out there and join us on Thursday nights, you know, come and, you know, 
participate in emotional sobriety, the, the Zoom code and the password will also be in the episode notes. It's a spiral, not a circle. Goes round, round, round. The solutions, be your own friend. Never say never in either direction. Look in the mirror, trust the reflection. Where the stars